I'm gonna we'll say a prayer real quick and then we'll we'll get started. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us, and we thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come and study your word, to sing praises to you here in a little bit, and, and to worship you, Lord. And just thank you for the freedom we have to do that. Lord, I ask that you be with us as we, we go through our classes here and as we go through our worship, and just allow it to bless us and allow it to to put something in us to go out and, and use it to, to bring others to you, Lord. I just ask that you be with us as we go through this. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. All right, so today we are going to be talking about angels. I tried to come up with some nifty little title, and I was in the end it was just angels was easy. So I'm going to be honest with you, this one was um, a, little, a little harder. I, you wouldn't think it would be, but it, it was actually a little harder doing the research and study on this because of how much mythology is actually out there about angels. So you're having to discern between what's actually in the Bible and what's been written in historical books and context. And then you have some books that are canon, like in the Catholic Church, are considered canon and part of the Bible that mentions other angels that aren't mentioned in the regular canon of what we have as a Bible. So it, breaking all that down, and, and, and then you have different interpretations of different scriptures, um, so that, that makes it, you know, that are in the Bible around angels. So I'm going to cover, for the most part, ten areas that we know are pretty factual about angels. Again, because the, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot in detail for a fact about angels. A lot of verses are, are you know, the, we bring in different interpretations. We bring in different meanings. We look at some verses and other verses and, and bring those type of things in. There's, there, and there's some things I learned um, that we'll look at too um, here in a second, but it, this was this was an interesting study, and I, I think it's going to just last today. But we'll see how far we get, and if we get all the way through, we'll we'll move on. If not, we'll we'll roll into a second week. So I'm just going to go through different facts and different things that we see. If you, you there is a lot of Bible verses in here, so if you're taking notes, I'll try to go a little slower, and I'll also um, you might want to write a lot of this down. Uh, some areas I put the verse in there so we can look through it. Other ones I just put a list of the verses uh, because we wouldn't have time to read them all. All right, so the very first thing we'll talk about is God created angels. There are some people who believe that angels themselves are actually e eternal beings and that weren't created, but that is not fact. God actually did create them. And if we look at that, we can look at verse uh, Colossians 1, verse 16. It says, For by him... All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So that verse, and there's other verses that speak to that, but that verse kind of sums it up pretty clearly that he created everything that's in the heavens and in, on the earth. The second thing, they are spiritual beings. Some people think that angels are... Um, or, or you have the misconception that they are actual physical beings, and that is not true. They are actually a, are spiritual. And we'll look at a couple of verses around that. In Hebrews 1, 13 and 14, he says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And then we know, so if you take that verse and then you go to Luke 
24, verse 39, this is where Jesus is talking about, see my hands and my feet, and, this, and that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, that I have. And this was, a lot of people thought that Jesus, his return, uh, that he was a spirit. And he was showing them that, no, I'm not a spirit. I'm physical flesh. I've actually resurrected. So this is how we know that angels themselves, you know, are spiritual beings. They do not have physical bodies. We're going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute. They can take on that form, but we'll look at that. This was an interesting one I never thought about. They cannot be seen by humans unless God allows them to be or reveals them. So I always, and if you look at most of the verses here, I always thought it was the angel who revealed themselves. But the angel, if you have an angel and they reveal themselves, it's because God allowed you to see that. It's interesting. And if we look at some of the verses, I think i got three here. Numbers 22:31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed all the way to the ground. Then if we look in 2 Kings, verse 6, 17, or chapter 6, verse 17. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And this is another thing that um, we'll look at, and you, you'll see a, a theme of, is sometimes they're referred to as um, riding chariots of fire or being in chariots or, or, or having some type of um, army-like uh, resemblance um, to them as well and then in Luke 2 verse 13 and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying I don't have the rest of that verse but in, anyways or the rest of the, the next verse there but again all these instances where angels are seen and appear before before men and are seen for the most part you know it is God who allowed them they, God is the one who opened the eyes to allow them to see the angels all right, and so then the last thing around that of the creation of angels, they can take on a human form. So they, they are spiritual beings. You know, they're not made up of flesh and bone, but they can appear to be human. And we'll look at a couple verses around that. If we look in Matthew 28, 5, an angel said to the woman, and, and here this is where uh, they, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. And so again, the angel appeared to her, and it appeared, and when you're reading this in the context, as a, as a, as a human being. And then if we look in Hebrews 13.2, they talk about, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So, the Bible refers here too that, you know, you may entertain uh, someone or be in the presence of someone or help someone, and that is actually an angel, and, and, and so they take on a human form that know it. I'll give you an example, and I don't know. This is something that happened when we lived in West Virginia. Uh, Dad was backing out of our driveway, and if you, uh, you want to kind of visualize our driveway, it's, it was like this. So, and it was about maybe 50 feet long, just going straight down, 50, 75 feet. And he's backing out, and we're backing into... A main road, so it'd be kind of like those who live on. I'm trying to think of a road that around here that's that's busy. 
I don't know, it's a two-lane road that was just constantly busy, had houses up and down it all the time. So he backed out and missed this Dodge, just Dodge Ram, he just didn't see it. So he backs out, a Dodge Ram slams into the side of him going full speed. I'm up there at the top of the house, I was actually, I had to move my car for him to get in, or for, to pull out, because of the way the driveway was. So I'm standing at the top of the um, dry, uh, our entrance to our house, and all of a sudden I just look around, I turn around and I see Dad, and I see the back side of his blazer getting slammed into and just spinning around and flipping over on its side. And so I'm, of course, freak out. I go running down there, and we're trying to, and I'm trying to get to where I can pull him out of the, the vehicle because it's leaking gasoline and it's just not pretty. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, these two guys, large guys, show up. They help us get the door open, pull Dad out of the car, put him down, get him away from it, and then we turn around and they're not there anymore. No clue who they were, no clue where, I mean, we know, have no idea. I don't remember any car stopping, I don't remember anything. Just two people showing up, helping us get him out of the car, and then they're gone. So I, I, to this day, no one's going to convince me otherwise, I believe that those were angels. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, because there was no one to stop, there was no one, I mean, there was just no one there. And for them to just, for two people their size to show up and do what they did, to get him out of a car that, in, in time because that thing was, that was, it was pretty tore up. But anyways, so I believe that. All right, so uh, back to the creation side. We don't know exactly when angels were created. Um, we can confirm, and we'll look at the verse here, that all angels were created by the sixth day of creation. We know, we know that they were obviously created by the sixth day because he created everything before the end. And so, and in the verse we can go by by that is if we look at Exodus 20:11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And if you actually read that verse the way it, because sometimes it, it, you, it makes you think that he created the seas and then everything that was in the seas. Now, if you actually read this verse, he made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything that was in all of them is how that should be um, read. So basically, he's saying there, he created everything in the six days, and then he rested. The other thing, um, did someone say something? Okay, okay. Uh, the, the one thing is, there's a hint, um, and we're, we're going to look at this uh, with two verses, actually three different verses, that they may have been created on the first day of creation. Uh, and, and this is the reason why. So if we look at Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So then that's kind of a blanket statement. And, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it talks about the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So we have the first day, the heavens and earth being created. And so when we go and then look in Job, and this was, this was an interesting link. So we have that form, and then Job here, in Job 38, he's kind of talking back to God, you know, kind of trying to instruct and, and, and tell God, you know, kind of how things should have been done, I think. And, and, and so God responds, and I'm going to read this whole, um, this whole, these whole seven verses. In Job 38, verse 1 through 7, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? To basically tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I'll ask you, 
and, and you instruct me. This, this, would ha- this had to have been an interesting conversation. So you're telling God, you know, I, this is kind of a sidetrack. You're, you're basically telling God he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, okay, man up. You tell me. Let me ask you some questions and you tell me. So anyways, he goes in, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who sets its measurements since you know, or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk, or who's, who laid its cornerstone? When the morning star sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So, this last verse here, uh, several times in, in the Bible, uh, angels are refer, referred to as, as morning stars or bringers of light, uh, those, those type of descriptions. So when with God talking here, he's talking about the fact of him, of the, the actual, basically, you know, him measuring out and, you know, putting the measurements and the cornerstones in for, for the earth. And so if we look at Genesis 1, and we know that, you know, that at the time of when he created the heavens and the earth on the first day, that it was void and formless. And then we see him talking to Job about it, you know, doing the measurements and, and, and putting the foundations together and, to, and him talking about the angels and the, he, the host of heaven being there with him. So a lot of scholars believe if you, if you take these verses and you, and you put them together that more than likely when he created the heavens on the first day that the angels were created along with that. Now, there's nothing 100% that, that's just scholars taking this and looking at it. But we, they do believe that they, you know, that kind of points to that. So, um, you probably could find some things that maybe speak a little bit different. But I, I don't. I think that's the of everything I've researched. That's kind of the clearest um, explanation and, and the most likely one uh, that we can see there. Yes. Not necessarily, and we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll talk to that, too. I'm going to talk to that a little bit because I think our, our misconception in the Bible sometimes, I think, is, you know, there was six days, and then there was like a couple days, and then Adam and Eve sinned, right? And so I think we're going to look at the fact that and then there's a debate, and I'm not going to get into that debate. Okay, so say there were six days that, that God created heaven and earth and then it rested, and then Adam and Eve. There's, we don't know how long Adam and Eve were actually in the garden. And so we'll, we'll look at that. We'll look at that here in a little bit. Well, we don't know how long that is because we, uh, one day to us is a, a, a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So, yeah. yeah. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we, we get into a little bit of this because we are going to look at at Satan and, and, and him. All right, so there's three types of angels mentioned in the Bible. Uh, the first one is, is cherub, cherubim, uh, and, and they're mentioned several times. It's the, the, this one's the mo- mentioned the most. Uh, they, are guard, they guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, 24. Uh, God is enthroned above them. In some, some verses it's translated, and in some areas it looks like they actually hold up or support the throne of God. Uh, there's a lot of descriptive language around that that, you know, some of it could be apocalyptic, others, you know, not sure, but they, 
they seem to have a role in, in, in supporting and in, in supporting and holding up the throne of God. God rides on them. In Psalms 18.10, it talks about God riding on them now. What that looks like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, there were two golden figures of them sitting on the, above the Ark of the Covenant where God promised to dwell among his people. And that's in uh, Exodus 25.12 and then also uh, in verses 18 and 21. Um, so the, those, that was the one type of angel. The second one uh, was the seraphim, I think is how you say that. They were considered the fiery ones. They are described as a six-winged, fiery angel. Uh, if, you, if you look at the translation, basically it was, was burning one. Basically their appearance appears as if they are on fire, and they're only mentioned once in the Bible, and that was in Isaiah 6, verses 2 through 7. And they all they, one of their main function and role was they continually worship God all the time, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the host. The whole earth, earth is full of his glory. That's going to be interesting to see. A bunch of on-fire angels, man. <laughs> all right, the third one, and, and this is, I, I, in my research, I, I don't know how this how these fall into the, the qualifications of angels. I, would, I put them in as an angelic-type creatures uh, because it doesn't really call them things. But if you look through the Bible, it talks about living creatures or, or, or a living hosts in, in the heavens um, that take on different forms. And if you look, uh, they're, they're mentioned in Ezekiel 1, uh, 5-14, and in Revelations 4, 6-8. So I, what I did is I kind of classified them in the, in the angel category because they're, they're some type of heavenly creatures that God created, so we don't know exactly what they are. But they, they take on the appearances of lions and ox and man and eagles. Uh, we, we miss them, and they worship God continually. So they are, they are beings in heaven that worship God. And then the fourth type, I, I don't know. I wonder, you know, like I said, because it, you, you see the descriptive, a lot of this is descriptive language, and, and a lot of this is writing from, what, uh, is viewing an angelic being or, or a heavenly being from a, a human standpoint and then trying to put it into descriptive words. And so I think that is what they see is the best way to describe it is to put it in something that we've seen. Because I, I don't think it's going to... When we get to heaven, we're going to see things that, as humans, I don't think we could really compromise. And I think, you know, you look at Revelations and you see a lot of that, too, of, of how they the, you know, and brought these things out. So I, I don't think it's an actual lion, but when you, when you see the being, you know, you look at it, it has the closest thing you can relate to it is on earth is a lion-type creature. And so, and obviously they can speak and they can worship, so they have that ability. All right, and then the fourth one is fallen angels. Um, these are the followers of Satan, who is him himself was an angel. We're going to look at that uh, in a little bit. And there, there's an interesting, I'd never really read this. And again, some of this stuff is due to, is to, to interpretation, because a lot of it's in Revelations, a lot of it's in some of our more... Um, things that are, are descriptive languages and stuff like that. But if you look, a lot, some scholars believe that the number of angels that fell were one-third of the angels in heaven. And where they pull that from is in Revelations 12, 3 through 4. 
It says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and seven horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. So a lot of scholars, and there's, there's different interpretations of Revelations, but a lot of scholars believe that this is referring to Satan's fall from heaven and, and his, him being thrown out, and that when he was thrown out, that he took one-third of the stars of heaven, which is sometimes used to refer to angels, with him. So whenever he was cast out and cast to the earth, that a third of the angels in heaven were cast to the earth as well. And so then it goes on to talk about that, that, taught that the woman giving birth, um, a lot of scholars believe, is referring to Christ's birth, um, Mary giving birth to, you know, and Christ thinking he was going to conquer Jesus when he came to earth. So, again, th- this isn't 100%. This is a descriptive language, but, you know, a lot of scholars, you know, in looking at this, looking through the Old Testament writings, that they believe that that, that is referring to, to that. No one knows 100% for sure, but kind of an idea. All right, any questions so far? All right. Only three angels are known by name. There's Michael, who's a cherubim, and also an archangel. We're going to look at that. And the uh, verses around that, again, I'm not going to read all these, is Jude 9, Revelations 12, verses 7 and 8, and Daniel 10, verse 13 and 21. There's Gabriel who was mentioned in Daniel 8.16, Daniel 9.21, Luke 1.19, and, ver- uh, and also verses 26 and 27. Who is the third angel mentioned in the Bible by name? There's an interesting thing about the name Lucifer. I'm going to talk about that. Satan. He is mentioned 52 times by Satan in the Bible. And then he also has 25 other references that describe him. He's actually the most described angel and talked about angel in the Bible. The term Lucifer, and I'm going to talk about that for a second. So the term Lucifer, anyone know what the term Lucifer actually means? Bringer of light. Do you know what, uh, how many versions of the d- different Bible actually mention him by the name Lucifer? For the most part, it's about one. I think there's some other, you know, not, you know, offshoots. And that's the King James Version. And the reason that most versions interpret bringer of light, um, you know, that, that, that type of thing. And what happened was when they, when they in, interpreted the Bible during the King James Version's time, Lucifer was actually a, a name given to the planet, I think it was Saturn. I cannot remember, but basically it was uh, a term used. So what they did when they were doing that interpretation, they used something that was common in that day, which was the, the name given for a bright light was Lucifer, and so that's where that name actually came about. That's why you pretty much only see it in the King James Version. And most other versions, your, your NIVs, your, your New American Standard, all those other ones, actually refer to him as bringer of light or I can't remember the, the other. There's a couple different. Morning Star is, a, is another one I believe that they use. So it's interesting when we talk about the devil, 
in Satan that he is described as a bringer of light. And if you actually look, what is, what is, what is God's, or what is, I forget who wrote it, maybe it was Jesus, uh, who said, what do they say about Satan? Well, they say he's an angel of darkness, which is true, but what do they say that he will be for a time? Closing in the appearance of I, I I meant to write it down and I forgot but the exact uh, but it talks about for a time he will appear as light or as good and so there's some people who tie those two to those things those two together uh, when you when you bring the two because there's times where you know Satan will appear as something good for a time in order to fool them I mean you look at what he did to Eve in the garden you know I mean he came as someone uh, as Someone coming to do something good to help you out to you know you you'll be able to do all these things and and so same thing. All right, um, my next note here. Ain't oh go ahead. Why did he So so what was the question? What was that last part? So it's interesting, a lot of the descriptive words, and, and I, I'm hesitant to get, oh, I'm going to get into it, I will get into it. So there's a lot of things in like Ezekiel and Isaiah that talk about the fall of a man, and it also, some scholars, there's a lot of controversy around whether they, it was actually talking about the king at that time, or whether it was actually talking about the king, then Satan, and then the king again, or whether it was a dual reference. Um, I think it's in Ezekiel 14 and Isaiah 7. I, I, can't, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. I, I, can, I can look them up and we can, we can look at that maybe later on. 28, 14, thank you. But it talks about a, a, a creature who is so beautiful and, and so magnific magnificent that they became so prideful that they caused themselves to fall. And a lot of people believe that they are, that is talking about Satan there, that Satan basically believed and saw himself and believed his appearance was so great and that he was so great and that, that basically the first sin, if we want to talk about it, that when sin truly entered at that time was pride because he, he, um, you know, he thought he was so wonderful because God created him that way. So he felt at that point that, I'm so wonderful, then I want to take the glory for God. And we're going to, we'll look at this in a little bit, but he wanted to take the glory that God, he felt he deserved that. And basically, the, the way some of the description is, is there was a battle uh, in heaven. Michael led that, uh, which we're going to look at here in the, the hierarchy. And in that battle, Satan and all of his angels were cast to the earth uh, to basically, or into you know, hell itself. And for and that was it. that's part of the reason it was created was for them uh, to put them in there and and that Satan and, and his angels were thrown cast to the earth and that this is their dominion they're given rule over the, a certain type of rule over the earth and that's what God has done with them until he comes back when he'll throw everyone who obviously with the, all the angels and everything in into hell so again there's when we look at a lot of these different verses and stuff. There's a lot of different meaning that can be brought out with them, and there's a lot of different interpretations from different scholars. But it, it's interesting that, you know, we look at the fact that 
angels themselves, God created these beings, these spiritual beings, and gave them themselves free will. And, and so it's interesting. But angels have a hierarchy. So Michael's cherubim is called an archangel. It, the, the Bible never really says how many archangels there are, how many. We just know, you know, we don't know if there's just one. Uh, I, I, in some of the references you see about you know, groups of angels, I, I think there's probably more than one. I think it just calls out Michael by, by name. Uh, he was called one of the chief princes. And that's another one that says one of the. He wasn't called the one of the. So uh, in Daniel uh, 10, 13. And he leads or led God's angelic army in Revelations 12 when it talks about uh, him, them, the battle there. All right, this is another one I never really thought of. Angels are not omnipresent. So meaning they can't be in more than one place at one time. Unlike God, who is omnipresent, angels are finite creatures. And we see this in actually, we see this in Daniel 10, 12 through 14. And he goes, Then he said to him, Do not be afraid, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. So this is the angel telling him that. He says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me, for I had been left there with the king of Persia. So he's honestly, this angel is in some kind of conflict with the prince of um, Persia, or yeah, the kingdom of Persia. And Michael came to help him. So now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter day, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. So, I mean, he's describing the fact that, yeah, basically saying I wanted to come sooner, but I got tied up with this guy over here, and so I had to wait. You know, if, it was, if they were omnipresent like God, they could have been in more than one place at the one time. So he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have had to worry about that. We do not know how many angels exist but the Bible implies that there are a lot of them. If we look in Deuteronomy 33, verse 2, he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from, the, from Seir. He shone from the Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones at his right hand that were flashing light for them. So in just this one description, we see that there's 10,000. In Psalm 68, 17, the chariots of God are myriads. And typically a myriad, um, when translated a lot of times, is 10,000. So thousands upon thousands, the Lord is among them at, as at Sinai in holiness. And then if we look in Hebrews 12, 22, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads, of angels so tens of thousands of angels and in revelations 5 11 then i looked and i heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands so i, I think I, I don't know the bible doesn't give a number but i think the description of myriads and myriads is almost uncountable so i mean there's there's just lots and lots, you know, and we know that you know uh, it talks about you know Jesus could have called ten thousand angels just to come down, and so we know there's 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 at least ten thousand. The angel, or I'm sorry, the Bible does seem that there is some sort of guardian angel. 
And we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at some of the, the things around us. We know that they protect people. All right? If we look in Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12, he says, For we give his angels change concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus seems to support the idea that individual people, or at least children, have some sort of guardian angel. In Matthew 18, verse 10, he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that the angels in heaven continually see their, the face of my Father who is in heaven. So it refers to their angels, that the little ones have some sort of <coughs> angelic protector. Um, the disciples say, they talk about Peter's angel, uh, must be knocking on the door. If we look at Acts twelve fifteen, they said to her, you are out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was Peter or that it was so. They kept saying it is his angel. They didn't actually believe it was Peter. They believed it was Peter's angel. Um, so here, here's the thought around guardian angels. Um, the thought is that, is that they, they, they do exist. They're some type of protective angels. The thing we don't, we're not 100% sure on or that most scholars aren't is whether each individual person has a guardian angel or if they, they, they guard like a, a select. So the, the best analogy that I, I, we were able to come up with when looking through this was we're not sure if they play man defense or zone defense. <laughs> so we don't know if they're assigned to each individual person or if they, they cover a certain amount of area. So... Um, I thought that was humorous uh, when that, but, but I, yeah, definitely, they, they play some protective role in, in humans' lives. All right, angels are very powerful, and I'm not going to go through all these, um, but they are very powerful. Uh, they have might, power, and dominion, and authority, and you can see that in Psalms 10, or I'm sorry, Psalms 103, verse 20, Ephesians 1, and Colossians 1, They are more powerful than humans, obviously, 2 Peter 2.11 and Matthew 28.2. They use their power to battle against Satan's demonic forces. We see that in Daniel 10.13, in Revelations 12.7 and 8, in Revelations 20 and 1 through 3. They carry out God's plan. Yes. tell you what I'll do. If y'all want me to print these slides out, I can do that. <laughs> I'll do that. That way we, we can go. If you want to write, continue write, I'll print them out and I can, I'll provide copies next week for anyone who wants them. Um, and they carry out God's plans, uh, bring messages to people. We saw that in Luke, uh, Acts, um, and, you know, a lot in the New Testament, some in the Old Testament. All right, so I'm going to go through these real quick, so don't feel you have to write all these down. Like I said, I'll, I'll print out the slides. They carry out some of God's judgment. So some God did himself, some God sent angels to do. Bringing the plague upon Israel in 2 Samuel. Smiting the leaders of Assyrian army in 2 Chronicles. Striking King Herod dead because he did not give glory to God in Acts 12. Pouring out vows of God's wrath on the earth. We see that in Revelation 16.1. Uh, they patrol the earth as God's representatives. We see that in Zechariah chapter 1, 10-11. They carry out war against demonic forces. We talked about that one. 
When Christ returns, angels will come with him as a great army, accompanying their king and lord. The Bible talks about that in Matthew and Luke and in 2 Thessalonians. So that kind of gives you an idea of their number, that area, when they come back, it's just going to be an awesome presence. When Christ returns, an archangel will proclaim his coming. <clears throat> talks about the archangel horn, archangel's call. Uh, that's in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We see that in Revelations and other passages as well. Here's a very important one, and I think this is why there's not a ton of detail about angels in the Bible. They are not to be worshipped. Worship of angels is one of the false doctrines being taught in Colossians 2.18. It says, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking a stand on the, on the visions he has seen, infiltrated, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. So there, there, we look in Colossians, there was some, some worshiping of angels going on there. The angels uh, warns John in Revelations 19.10 not to worship him. He says, then I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of the prophecy. So again, he's warning them not to do that. And we shouldn't pray to angels, angels either. We should only pray, and if we look at that, to Jesus or God, we see that in 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So we're not to pray to them either. So I wanted to talk for a second about, um, I thought I had it in my notes here and I didn't, I apologize, um, about the fall, the fall of Lucifer. We, we talked about it a little bit. And so that's the thing that, we, that we, we've got to realize, that Satan himself was in fact an angel at one time. And, and most people, I think, realize that. There's a lot of debate on whether, the, some people believe he was an archangel, some people believe he was um, a cherubim. Some people believe he was both. And other people believe at first that, in, that he was actually the leader or the most powerful angel in heaven. There's some stuff around that. There's some things you can interpret that way. There's some historical, non-canon biblical stuff that talks about that, but there's nothing for sure that really says that 100%. So a lot of that is, is, is mythology that, that, is, that is brought in. But what we do know uh, from the Bible, like we talked about a little bit earlier, is he did bring himself up to be, he, he felt that he should be on the same level, if not as, as not powerful or more powerful than God himself. And so he basically mutinied against heaven and was thrown out like we, we talked about, or him and his angels were, were, were thrown out. Now, the time frame that this happened, obviously it didn't happen in the first six days, right, of creation. Um, so you have your first 60 days of creation, then God rests. And so then you have the time frame from that when he rested, where Adam, Adam and Eve are in, in the garden, until the fall. We really do not know how long of a time frame that was. It could have been 10 million years. It could have been 1,000 years. It could have been three weeks. We don't know. Um, and there's some references around, well, if it had been 10 million years, wouldn't we see all this, then the age of the earth and all this other stuff? And, and, and there's a lot of things that we don't know about that happened when sin actually entered the world. You know, we, if we look at the actual way the Garden of Eden was, there was no death, there was no rotting, there was no, everything was perfect, everything was, was, you know, 
it was, it was paradise on earth. It was heaven. So the thought is that most things in the earth were eternal at that time. So that, like things in heaven are eternal. And eternal, when I meaning they last forever once God created them. They felt that the earth was sin, and then when sin entered the earth, a lot of that changed. Again, this is a lot of, of theory. So it could have been that the angels in heaven were there for a very, very long period of time before all this happened and the fall happened. You know, but there's no timetable really given to that. So the, the thought is, is that obviously it happened after, after the creation, after the rest, and before Eve's fall, because once he was thrown down to earth, that's when... The, the temptations. Now, how, how all that went, because you have the, you know, obviously, if sin couldn't have entered the world into that time, but uh, you have the tree, why would he put the tree there if the devil hadn't fell yet? It's, there's a whole lot of, but I don't think we're meant to, that, that, I don't think that's important, and I don't think it's something that we have to know, right? We do know that sin entered the world, and it entered the world through Satan. And so that was kind of the, when I, when I was going through that, I, I it was hard for me to decide whether to really go in because it could become a pretty deep rabbit hole. <laughs> and, and, um, and because there are, there's some interesting non-canonical books out there that were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls, that were found with a lot of things that talk about, you know, like, for example, who in here, and this was a surprise to me, who in here has heard of the Archangel Raphael? Okay. I thought there at one time there was an Archangel Raphael. Well, in, in the Bible that we have, it's not actually, he's never mentioned. But he is mentioned in some, in some books that were found with, I think it's the book of Enoch, that was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, you know, so there was, there were, you know, I, I believe the Catholic Church has brought some of those in as canon, where other uh, different uh, people who were determined in the Bible decided that they could not find enough evidence to, for them to be canon. So there's a lot of things in there that, that talk about angels, and that's where a lot of the mythology comes from, um, and, and a lot of these different things. And then also some things come in from other religions that, that or actually I say uh, come in, that went out and then can kind of came back in um, around angels and, and the devil and demons. And it actually lists, a lot of the books actually list, I think there was like nine or ten different angels that are mentioned by names in some of these other books. And so it's a, it's a it can get, like I said, you, you start diving down into it, it can become a really deep rabbit hole that you almost can't pull yourself <laughs> out of, especially if you're someone like, I love science fiction and anything that's kind of a, a science fiction type background. So researching this was fun, but I'd had to stop sometimes because I would find myself going way down this trail and I'd, I'd have it in my notes here and then I'd be like, you know, I really can't talk about this. And so I'd come back all the way back up and, and, and there's a reason for, for this. I think this is important, but I think that last point Yes, angels are there. They play, they play an important role. They, they, they've played a very huge in, a role in announcing the birth of Christ. They're going to announce his coming back, those type of things. But again, I, I think there's a limited amount of information on them for, in, on purpose, and that is the fact that we don't become too obsessed with them, right? I, I think there's, there are cultures and there's people who've become so obsessed with them that they've actually started to worship them or put them on a level of, of, of God. And that's not, you know, that's not where they're, like the one angel talks about. He is, they are a servant of God just like we are, you know, on the same level, and we're not to worship them. So it's an interesting study, and I'll be honest with you, I could, this kind of stuff, Revelations, Daniel, all, all this kind of, well, what I call the sci-fi chapters of the, of the Bible, um, they interest me, and I, and I love researching that stuff. But I think sometimes we can get 
if we get too focused on that kind of stuff, it takes away from, from the real purpose and the, and the real meaning. So any questions, comments? Well, go ahead, sorry. Yellow yeah, right. This is the account of the heavens and the earth, and they were created in the day that the Lord God made heaven and earth. And so from there, verse 4, back to verse 4, then it goes back and gives a recap of all that was done in the first chapter. Yeah. And if you if you don't if you leave verse 4 out, then you you think all this is still happening after exists. Yeah. That it was before. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, <clears throat> and that's a good point because yeah, there's some people who will who will interpret that that way. So, all right. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this. Uh, I know it's kind of a lot of information. Like I said, I'll print the the slides out. Next week we're going to start into a series. I haven't named it yet. Um, I'm trying to come up with a, a name I feel fits. But it's going to be taking everything that we have been looking at for about the last year or so, and kind of wrapping it up into a, a nice pretty bow maybe not a pretty bow but um and and pushing forward on that so i hope y'all enjoy that thank you